What is a kick-ass single mom? We'll find out on this edition of Frank Relationships. You're listening to Frank Relationships with Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Yes. Aha. All as always, those are my babies. Thanks for getting daddy started today. Mwah. Author Emma Johnson is with us today, and I'm curious, how in the world do you justify telling women not to fight for child support? Is this a question coming right at me? Right at you. Right at me. Well, a couple of quick facts. Uh, Less than half of child support that is owed in the United States is actually received, and the average sum that is ordered by courts is less than 400 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And what we see happening is that women fight, and women are disproportionately, as you can assume, the recipients mm-hmm. and not the payors of child support. So we'll talk about women here. Okay. That women end up fighting in court, so that's taking time, it's taking energy just to fight in court for this money that statistically will probably never receive. And outside of the court process, they are angry and they are fighting with their ex. They're spending a lot of head space. They're complaining and speaking poorly about their kid's dad to people who will listen. And it's all this negative toxic thing that usually ends up coming between the parents where the priority needs to be co-parenting. So if you're focused on 400 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month, or even if it's $3,000 a month that you are entitled to, and you may very well be legally and even morally entitled to that money. I'm not going to take that away from you. But you're focused on the sum of money opposed to earning. And so it's a focusing on a bigger sum of earning. And I hear women every day. They say, you know what? I'm not going to – I found out something changed with my ex. He lost his job or he had another kid, and now my money's going to go down. Now I can't go back to school and go for that promotion that I wanted. Now I can't start that business of my dreams because I'm not getting this money and I can't pay for child care. They attach themselves to these men they are no longer entitled to, and it makes them think small. It turns everything negative instead of just letting it go. Just let it go because you're better than that, Mom. You're better than that. I want you to focus on something bigger and something positive. That is incredible. I love it. I love it. And not only do I love it, I'm going to remind you and, and Jeff about a conversation we had years ago mm. where I posed the question, it, and I think Kwaku was here at the time. I okay. posed the question whether you were for forced child support. And I believe going around the room, everybody said no. And, and that's a... That, that's not something I would usually expect to hear as it pertains to child support. And to add Emma to the conversation and what she just said is mind-blowing. I, it's a shift in our paradigm. It's a shift in what we expect for women because when we find that women become single moms, whether by a breakup, divorce, pregnancy, whatever, the message is always, you know, make the bastard pay. Take him for all these words. Mm-hmm. Well, women can earn their own money now. And you know what? Making your own money, having agency over your life, is what we want women to do. We don't want them to be fighting for some guy that, like, whatever. We can't control him. If he wants to participate, we will welcome him into the child's life. If he wants to share the expenses, wonderful. They can sit down like adults and divvy things up as adults do. But we don't want women to be fighting and dependent. That is not our goal collectively. Here's my rendition of it, Emma. You want to hear it? Here it go. Yes, let's go. <laughs> um, this, I, I believe that when we have children, we should do so, or even when we have sex with the possibility of having children, we should do so with the expectation that we may raise that child alone. And the one reason I believe that is because it's true. We may raise that <laughs> right. child alone. And that goes for the men or the women. And so, and when I say raise the child alone, it could be because of death. It could be because of divorce. It could be because of a whole litany of things. And to go into the situation 
with even the possibility of trying to run your partner through the mud or hurt them in court or get at them for for whatever your motivations are is just there's a heaviness there that I believe to be unhealthy. It's toxic. It's toxic. Yeah. Yes. And it's just that practical to your point. That's just it's you know there's this other even darker part of the story that low income men and uh, statistically African American men it it creates a cycle of poverty and incarceration yes. and fatherlessness that it, we need to break. So mm-hmm. if you're only making a small amount of money and you're not paying and you wind up in jail and those arrears keep accruing with huge fines and interest, you get out, you can't get a job because you're in jail. How is that serving anybody? Mm-hmm. No right. one's getting the money. No one's no child. And then we have a whole generation of kids that have their fathers locked up. What's particularly interesting about this conversation, not only the content, but where it's coming from. So Nancy is a black female. I'm a black male. Jeff is a white male. And Emma, I believe you are a white female. I'm super white. So, so the, the, <laughs> no, the I'm super white. <laughs> she's not just a white female. She's super white. So, <laughs> the, the perspectives cross the sex and they cross the racial, racial lines. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm. Ah. Hey, so, Emma, why do you prefer to call yourself a single mom? Oh, that's so interesting because there's, it is so hotly debated what women feel like they can call themselves. And there's all this, like, infighting in the single mom community about who's a quote-unquote real single mom. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, I'm like, look, if you're not raising your kids with those kids' other parent i don't care what gender or whatever you're married or not if you're not if you're married if you're raising them outside of that relationship you're a single mom that means that's my thing that means even if you you have a co-parent if there's a co-parent yeah like my kids have a co-parent like or i have a co-parent my kid's dad lives you know 12 blocks away Mm -hmm. kids are mostly with me i'm running the show financially whatever yeah he's their dad he can call himself single i don't care what he does like, I don't even want to spend energy on this because it's collectively, as women, as moms, we have so much work to do. And bitching and bickering about the finer, like the caste system of single mothers is just exhausting, and I think it's pathetic. Mm. <laughs> but I'll tell you who can't call themselves single moms, married moms. Married moms who are, like, have their husband away for the weekend or feel like their husband doesn't pull his weight at home, you don't get to call your single mom. But everybody else, okay, you're single mom, that's fine, let's move on. Okay, there's there's a lot oh. there's a lot there. I just didn't I, I didn't know that there was that kind of energy <laughs> on calling. Uh, so many people are single moms, and I didn't know that there was really any. Like, what else do you call yourself? I, right, because the one is I don't know. Like this woman was getting into it about how she's upset because dads can call themselves single dads, but this one dad he only has his kid forty percent of the time, so he's not a real single dad. Whereas the mom in that family has a kid 60% of the time. So she's a, I'm like, really? Really? Right. Like, do we need a pie right. chart? Like, so to, to, who cares? Yeah. Like, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> oh, okay. I want to play with this a little <laughs> well, bit. Well, I can say, let me say this to you. So mm, let's say some months ago, I'm surfing for guests for you, right? So I find this blurb of a video mm-hmm. by Shahrazad Ali. Ah, Whoa. Whoa. Right? Okay. Let's, let's so give the she- audience <laughs> and Emma a little history. You give it to so, Shahrazad Ali, about 30 years ago, she did. She wrote a book called the, it's, I think it was called The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman or The Black right. Woman's she Guide to Understanding. She wrote both. Understand. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, the one See, that, I think it's really interesting that because I identified as super white, you just presume that I have no idea about black history, but I actually have no idea about this book. So go on. <laughs> Well, we were correct there. <laughs> but it wasn't just you I, I was talking offended, to. But I do need to be educated. So <laughs> we're on. talking to a universe of people right now, yeah. including Emma. Super White yeah. Emma. <laughs> 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 Go on, Frank. Carry on, carry on. Okay. All right. So she wrote a book, and uh, two books. And the yes. book that got the splash was, I think it was the Black Woman's Guide to, Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman. Right, I think right. that was the one. Yes. Now, she did Oprah. She was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Talk show circuit. Um, 
and got a lot of flack for some of the things she said. Go on, Nancy, take it away. So one of the things she said was that this whole concept of single mom did not come into being until white women started having children out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Mm. Prior to then, the whole idea of a child, the, the, the phenomenon of having a child out of wedlock was seen as something that only occurred in our community. Mm-hmm. And so it was derogatory. Mm-hmm. But once the phenomenon started to creep over or predominate in the white community or among white women, especially as it became more and more of a deliberate choice, mm-hmm. then we softened the term and called it single mom. Mm. That was her. Oh, uh, that's on interesting. That. Yeah. yeah, that does really speak to what I was talking about with everybody. But it's always like this mark of pride, but it's always an argument about who's struggling more, Mm -hmm. right? It's Mm -hmm. always like, oh, well, you have a co-parent or you have child support or you have a supportive family. You're not a real single mom, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's a very American phenomenon in general. We we very much pride the self-made person, the person that has nothing but made something out of themselves. Yeah. And uh, and I think that those that, that bickering goes beyond the single mom definition. It goes like, who's really self-made? Who's really successful? Oh, you have rich parents and you had success. You don't count. Mm-hmm. Dropped out of eighth grade and you had success. You count more. Mm-hmm. Jeff got something. I, I may take this all the way into left field here, but you do mention American, mm-hmm. and I will cut out the fact that there are racial divides in America. Mm-hmm. The stigma. And this epidemic level in America of single parenting. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you cut to the the basic reason why, a lot of people will say, is lack of discipline. And if you're going to try to deal with an enigma, a problem, an epidemic, you need to cure it before you can treat it. Or you need to try to find the cure for it. And I'm just interested, Emma, if you think that discipline... Um, instilling discipline in the minds of Americans, America's youth. As it, it pertains to marriage? As it, as it pertains to premarital sex okay. and, and, and um, single parenting. Mm-hmm. As opposed to pointing a finger, oh, now you know, we, I made a choice, I'm going to raise this child on my own. A lot of folks at lower income, and again, I'm not going to use any racial terms here, it's not a choice. It's mm-hmm. cultural. Mm-hmm. But... I'll use that word discipline only because it's been said to me dozens of times. There's a lack of discipline Mm. in the community. Mm -hmm. Lack of discipline. Mm. Um, Keep your legs closed. You said epidemic. Are you considering single single parenting an epidemic? Yes. Single parenting is an epidemic in America. It's an epidemic problem. Okay. That to me reeks of 1980s Republican politics. (laughs) No, and it, it reeks of 2017 reality. That's a challenge to children. It is poverty. It's fatherlessness. And we're not going to turn around the unwed, uh, unmarried mother birth rate. That is escalating at record rates, and it's not going to change. To my point, soon. it should. And everybody, I mean, we've had billion-dollar federal programs to save marriage. That's obsolete. Marriage has changed throughout history. It is, is a cultural thing. It has its time and place, and it has looked different throughout history. 150 years ago, people were not marrying for love. Today, they're not marrying at all. Young people are not getting married because they see the institution as, I'm 40 years old, as I grew up understanding it as this lifelong love union. That's just obsolete, and it's for lots of reasons, largely because women can make their own money now because culturally it, it is okay to have sex outside of marriage. It's okay culturally to have babies outside of our marriage. So there's lots of reasons. So as, if you want to talk about marriage as the metric, I have nothing to contribute to that because I don't see that as the goal. That, that's never been part of the point I just made. Marriage has nothing to do with it. I'm talking mm. about parents parenting as a team, whether you're married or not. The single parenting is, again, an epidemic but even abortion. If you're, even so if the you're... goal is to have people having waiting until they're older to have children? Or what's what's the goal? The goal would be to have a... And I'll use the word familiar relationship, a mother and a father or two mothers and two fathers raising children. 
so that you don't have the single parent. But there's still label. single parents if they're not together. They're, well, okay. Single so as an individual, not as in not married. 64% of millennial mom are have at least one baby outside of wedlock. And, you know, TBD, what, what's going to happen because the generation's young, they're still having their families. But of those 64%, the majority of them are in uh, a romantic partnership, probably living together. Because they're not married, they're more likely to break up than if they were married. But they are. These are not just moms sleeping around. They don't know who the baby daddy is. They are in a romantic partnership. They know who the dad is, and the dad is involved. Right? We will see how this plays out long term as, again, as, as these families grow in age and the generation ages. But when but it, this, I don't really understand what discipline means. I think we need a culture that changes that is really rooted in gender equality. And thankfully, there is incredibly important work that's happening and very, very quickly. So I'm involved with an organization called Leading Women for Shared Parenting. And in just a couple of short years, they have been successful in getting legislation introduced. And I think they're up to 28 states. That's more than half of states legislation where the initial uh, custody agreement and visitation agreement with parents when they go to family court is 50-50. Mm-hmm. As it stands now, in, in the U.S., 80% of the time when families go to family court, the moms get uh, the custody. And then what happens is when dads are allowed visitation with their own children every other weekend, they check out. Yeah. And there we have the fatherlessness. We have demoted men in our culture to being breadwinners and these bumbling fool father stereotypes when we know and there's so much research that shows shared parenting 55 peer-reviewed articles shared parenting is what is best for kids Mm. and it's what's best for dads and it's what's best for women because then women are not burdened with all the child care right then they can go and earn and achieve and they can take care of their health and their romantic relationships and their friendships and contribute to the community because they are not saddled with 100% of the child care, right? This is good for everybody. So when you talk about engaging parents in, a, in an equitable way to parents, whatever gender they may be, this starts, I mean, just historically, our ch- culture changes when first we have policy change, then the culture changes, and then practice changes, you know, practice being what people do every day. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, this is changing, but I think that's where we should be putting more of our energy. Welcome to Frank Relationships, a show for you, my brethren, who, like me, are too young to be considered old and too old to be considered young. It's also for those of you who love and support us. We're here to provide weekly wisdom, conversation, and the information that will help create loving and flexible parents and partners. I'm Frank Love, and you can find me, my blog, and my various social media incarnations at franklove.com. If you're listening to the show on Blog Talk Radio, please follow us. And if via iTunes, please subscribe so that you can effortlessly get the show each week. Also, if you're enjoying the show, and of course you are, please give us a favorable iTunes rating and please share it with your family and friends on your favorite social media platform. We're always looking for new social media friends, so please help us help our communities by spreading the word about the show. Greetings to my co-host. Nancy Goldring. Greetings, Frank. How are you? Fabulous. And good. yourself? I'm good. Awesome. You are the consummate generalist. Mm, indeed. Again today, you <laughs> appear and give us your wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Today's guest is a veteran business and personal finance journalist and the founder of the world's largest platform for single mothers, Wealthy Single Mommy. She also hosts the podcast, Like a Mother, where she explores issues facing professional single moms like herself. To her credit, that's also the platform which led her to being cited by U.S. News as host of a top 15 personal finance podcast. So if you, like me, want to Know how to create the best life for yourself if you're a woman with children and not living with a partner, or she may define it differently. Let it go. Okay. All right. No problem. (laughs) If you want to know why frugality is important, and here's one, why you should give to a charity when you're broke. Say it. Then stay tuned as your Frank Relationship team talks with the leading voice of single motherhood, and the author 
of the kick-ass single mom, Mrs. Emma Johnson. Welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Hey, it's you. (laughs) 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 Thank you for what you bring to the world. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Before we get too deep uh, or deeper, we're going to check in and see what's going on in the news or in the world. Emma, please don't be bashful. We certainly want your want you to weigh in and give your thoughts too okay all right all right did you know you can be attracted to someone that you hate um it says sex and love are two distinct experiences and processes says jessica o'reilly phd sexologist and host of the sex with dr jess podcast We've created a culture in which sex and love are supposed to go together and one cannot exist with the other. But a lot of times they don't. In other words, you don't necessarily have to be in love with someone to want to sleep with them. You can have strong feelings the other way or have no feelings at all. Sometimes things are purely physical. Jeff loves this, given what he was just talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I have stuff exclusive. You can wrap it up and do all that stuff, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, Jeff. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to get me in trouble. <laughs> discipline. He wants to talk about discipline. Right, right. <laughs> this is what he's talking about. You end or up having talking. a baby with somebody you despise. No, just, just use an aspirin. <laughs> Take an aspirin. Take an aspirin. Put it between your knees and make sure it never moves. <laughs> okay. Wow. You got anything on this, wow. Nancy? I'm no. looking for the revelation in this. Okay, all right. Uh, I, I definitely, sex can be a purely physical act. I don't think anybody would argue that fact. Uh, the idea of, and I definitely, I knew a couple once, and oh my goodness, they were fighting all the freaking time. Mm. And their relationship, another, so I met them through another friend, mm. right? And her her assessment of them was, that they can, they always argue, but they have an awesome sexual life. That was her assessment. She said they 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 crash in the bed and everything is fine, and then they're okay. back at it. Okay. And I thought, oh my goodness, I don't think I could do that, uh-huh. you know. Um, but the idea of like being that uncomfortable with someone and yet being sexually attracted to them. I would imagine it would have to be irresistibly so. Because if I don't like you as a person, my whole sexual monitor shuts down. Mm. Okay. So, but but I can, you know, it's not something I find unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. Emma, anything? Yeah, I don't find this unbelievable at all. I mean, I, I, I feel the same as Nancy. Like, I have to be really you know, intellectually and morally connected to somebody for it to be really good for me. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, I watched Big Little Lies, didn't you? <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> I mean, we have sexual violence in our culture all over the place. Mm-hmm. What turns people on runs a ginormous spectrum. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about that, you know, what's very much. Like, what's healthy, what's not healthy inside of that. Um, and we don't have a culture that is, you know, I don't find this, this headline to be that stunning at all mm-hmm. but it's in our puritanical american culture we don't talk about this stuff okay well and so you guys are both telling me you didn't bring it this time frank this was not even <laughs> particularly interesting uh <laughs> pass go <laughs> on to the next thing go to the next one what's the next <laughs> one you have according to elitedaily.com how do you know you love someone more than they love you you want to take a guess uh mm-hmm. Emma. Because I'm withholding by nature. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> by nature. <laughs> okay. Um, Frank right, has right. a whole list of yeah. Uh, all right, let me run down ways to tell. They rarely ask personal questions. They don't include you in their future. You always initiate affection. They don't ask you for your opinion. They won't sacrifice any friend time. They don't reciprocate. You don't feel secure in the relationship. They aren't invested in your dreams and goals. Any relationship work is too much for them. You're constantly working to make them happy. You always are the first to text, and you said, I love you first. 
the last one? I wouldn't say that's more, that you love them more. That person's just not interested at all. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not even a more. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, somebody's always going to love somebody more, and maybe it changes throughout the relationship. Mm-hmm. But that person's just not in it to win it at all. Like, and that's okay. Right. They just move on. Right. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> my great, my great, my grandmother told me that my great grandmother, her mother's prescription for who she says you always marry a guy who loves you more. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, okay. So I'm yeah. I'm not necessarily looking for a guy who loves me more. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to kind of be radically unbalanced. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have married a couple of people who loved me more. Mm-hmm. And it was because they loved me too much more uh-huh. Uh-huh. that had me go another way. Um, but I, th- I think that there's that balance. And like Emma says, everything changes. And sometimes, you know, one partner is carrying more of it than the other. But I want to feel nothing is 50-50. But I want to feel the same level of intensity as my partner okay so like i don't want him to be ripped off and feeling like oh, i'm so into this woman and she doesn't want to give me the time of day mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so okay but there is some you know it's something i struggle with too because i think there is something that men like to pursue yeah they really do and that there's a definitely a very very important role for that at the beginning of the relationship mm-hmm but then what happens when you settle into a more serious, longer-term relationship? You can't keep the guy arm's length all the time and having him feel vulnerable if you're really going to have intimacy. That's right. So how do you make that transition from the fun, like, cat and mouse thing that makes things really hot and at the beginning to something that's, you know, more sustainable? Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is important. I would say, I, which which piggybacks is packed. Good night. Which piggybacks on what you just said, Emma. Um, it it is. I think vulnerability is actually important in a relationship. In a oh good yeah. Um, and so when you get to the point of of being in the relationship one hundred percent, and that's that's another conversation sure. worth having. There is, with that comes, a determination that you're going to reveal something that can cause you harm if it were taken advantage of and that that's just how it is and that is a part of a healthy that's a part of a healthy dynamic to me and that's a part of somebody that's a part of you allowing yourself that's that's a in order to connect with that other person's vulnerability Mm -hmm there is that's a part of loving them and vice versa if that made any sense yeah well i'm listening yeah. to you and i'm thinking uh done right you never reach a place in a relationship where you run out of vulnerability mm-hmm. um so as your relationship evolves and you grow as people you're always gonna hit those places where you're like, uh, well, okay, I'm going to say this or I'm going to tell you this or I'm going to share this with you. And you're hoping that your partner is uh, has enough, what's that word I want to use, that, they, that they're tapped into you enough to know how to receive what you're going to say, to know when to tread lightly and just hear you mm-hmm. and understand when you're in a vulnerable place Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes what can end up happening happening is that two people can get so familiar with each other that the person you want to go to and really be heard by is the person that kind of blows you off oh give me a break that's no big deal you know why are you so sensitive over this and it really is something you know could be something near and dear to your heart i have to say um emma made the point earlier that men like to pursue and you know, mm-hmm. after the whole cat and mouse thing, I don't like the cat and mouse thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if a guy is interested in me, I need him to, I need him to show that he's interested. Does that mean so, walk up to you and say, "Hey, I'm interested in you"? <laughs> it can be. It right, can be a, a little more interesting than that, right? Because you want him to pursue you. Yeah, I want him to pursue me, mm-hmm. but I don't want yeah. him to play me. 
Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want, and, and if I'm not interested in you, then I don't want to, ah, uh, you know, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You know, because I want to save that energy for the guy who's interested. Mm-hmm. And, and I want the guy in. who's, and that I'm interested in it. And the guy who's interested can keep me, can keep me, he can keep me interested. I, I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing. This is what we're, I'm like, oh, deep. Okay. All righty. What were you, what are you picking no, me up? I, I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. We both want men to pursue us. Yes. I mean, I think we that you're right. We don't want them to be flaky. No, no. we want them to yes. be the hunters. Mm-hmm. that they are instinctually, naturally. Yes, yes, yes. I, yeah, no, we don't want them to be playing. We, we want them to play the cat, and we want to play the mouse consistently. Oh, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got He's sitting over here like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's not innocent, Emma. <laughs> All oh right, all right. Gosh. Into the interview. Into Emma's oh, gee. Okay. domain. Yes. Um, back to shared parenting. And mm. Emma, there is a there is a piece amongst women often these days that and you've already touched on this, that harps on and that really lives around and defines themselves around their scorn. It's mm. uh, how do you how do you tell a woman to have shared parenting with her children's father or ex-husband or a current husband who they don't live together where they don't live together? How do you tell her to get over the the what she calls the cheating or the you know the whatever the the cheating the uh, the the violence or whatever they have dealt with and co-parent 50 50 with your co-parent yeah just get over it for everybody's (laughs) sake most of all your own like just forgive and you know Mm, forgiveness is not about letting the other person it's about your own peace you deserve to live better and i cannot emphasize enough how important co-parenting and shared parenting is he, okay, the marriage didn't work. The relationship didn't work out. Maybe he was a total horrible husband. That doesn't mean that he's not a competent father. And it also, even if he wasn't the most involved, greatest father inside of the relationship, that does not mean that he is not going to step up now outside of the relationship. And I hear from women all the time. They're like, my my ex was a totally crappy husband, and he I, he did nothing around the house. He helped nothing with the kids. But now that he is forced to, frankly, I mean, it can be two things. Like, one, he's got forced time with the kids now that there's a visitation schedule. So he simply has to step into that role and find that he does it a lot better Mm -hmm. um, and much more joyfully and fully, and he's engaged. And a lot of it, listen, we co-create these situations. Men and women co-create these situations. And women, we're told, we have all this pressure to be everything. We're so, so much pressure to be these running the household, being the primary parent, that, you know, mothers are, we're, we're taught from a very early age that this should be our primary role as mothers. We're better parents. But that's not the case anymore, and we have to let go of control. And I see a lot of times moms trying to run everything inside of the family, and that doesn't leave room for men to step into their fatherhood. So when their family splits up and there is a separation or divorce, this is a great opportunity. And so part of this, the guy's got mandated time and he steps into it. Without the mom, they're micromanaging everything. And the other part is, you know, maybe it is a wake-up call. All of a sudden he realizes how much he did take for granted and he misses his kids and he steps up in a new way. So you've got to give him some slack. I mean, it's not, and it's not often not your control. The courts are changing so quickly. It's not about you deciding anymore. You just simply have to relegate that half of the kids belong to this man and so make the best of it and embrace him as your co-parent. There, there, let me tell you a story about my wife and I, a dynamic that we worked with, and this was a few years ago. She put herself in, she tried to put herself, and she did, and so in the middle of so much that was going on around the house as it pertained to the children, that she was just overwhelmed. And she would say to me, how come you don't help me? I want you to do more. And I said, babe, you are, you're creating this. I, I can do it all. I can, I don't want to do it all, 
that I can do it all, but you're in the middle. The, the children are interacting with you based on your response to them. You, they, they come to you and ask you for stuff all the time. They're nagging you. They're driving you up a wall. And she's <laughs> asking me, why don't I take some, take some of that attention? And I'm saying to her, because I don't deal with the children like you do. I tell the children, look, go, leave me alone. I'm in the middle of something right now. <laughs> go read a book. Yeah. She doesn't do that. And so they are pulling on her dress all she the time. She tends to their every whim. She tends to their every whim. Mm. Absolutely. I go upstairs to my man's man cave and I do what I need to do. And she ends up being left feeling overwhelmed downstairs. But the thing is, when she's out, if she's out late working or whatever her reason for being out is, if she's out, and I've it's just got it. You and, them. and it's just me and them. I've got it down to a science. And they're in bed at 9.30 left to her. I don't know when those kids are going. To <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's better now than it used to be. Wow. It really is. But then... I mean, she would just, she would try to be in her own world in terms of whatever she needed to do at home. Um, maybe she'd be reading or a book or watching something on television and 9.30 would come and she wouldn't even be conscious that it was 9.30 and it was time for the kids to get in bed. And so she'd look at her clock and be 9.44. Oh my God, what is it? You know, it was just that type of dynamic. And right. I would tell her, you're creating this. You're creating this particular dynamic with the kids. And if you want me to if 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 you want me to do something different, please work with me. Work with me. It sounds like there was no room for you to really step in. That's that was what I was saying. Yeah. And I'm I was happy to step in. But but okay. go, well, you know, I want to point out the language that you used. She, the conversation was, why don't you help me with the kid? That's what she said. Yes. Right. And that is, it's like she assumed that it was her job and you were helping her, mm, you know, and I think there's real power in our vernacular mm -hmm. and um, you're not helping her. You guys are both running, you're both, your peers, right? Running the family together and the house together. And, I, you know, you have different jobs and roles and tasks and styles, mm -hmm. to your point. Mm -hmm. You have a different parenting style, right? And she assumed that you should assume hers, which is assume, super hands-on. Yes. And you weren't, and it wasn't that you were abandoning her or the family. It was simply you were exercising your parenting style. Exactly. So it, it I can imagine. Which works great when she's not home. Which works, yes. <laughs> yes it, so it, the it, kids know the deal. She'd come in the house and be like, what the heck? Just, how right. is this place quiet? <laughs> is this my house? <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. Okay. I, we, we, it's, it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process where um, we're doing better with that. And it's not, it, it has been, she's been particularly frustrated with it and then less so frustrated with it. And it, it it's coming together. It, it has come together well. Okay. Frugality. Why is frugality important? Uh, well, I mean, we should all be living frugally, and we don't as a culture. I mean, we, oh my God, don't even get me started. People, our pastime as Americans is spending. Mm -hmm. And it just absolutely kills me that we talk about, you know, wage stagnation and inflation, and people don't have anything saved, and everyone has credit card debt. And the number of mini storage places, that's like the best business to be in. Our houses and our cars keep getting bigger and bigger. We keep shopping. You know, any retailer, uh, the Amazons and the Targets, the Sephora, they're all growing because we're shopping. Yeah. And we, it's so part of our culture that we don't see how, how toxic it is. It is putting our families at risk. It's really putting our nation at risk. And it is disconnecting us from, it's a spiritual crisis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I speak specifically inside this single mom realm in my book. Um, but, you know, often women find me, almost always they find me when they're going through a big transition. They're going through a divorce or a breakup or a pregnancy, and they're like trying to figure out how the heck they're going to be single moms. And it's a change, and it's usually a trauma, you know, and 
And the money is always the number one concern. And I know that I grew up with single mom. Money was definitely the number one worry in our house. And when I was facing single motherhood through divorce, money was by far my number one worry. Mm -hmm. And the thing, the big message I want women to take is you are not entitled to any lifestyle. You're Mm going to be poor after this breakup temporarily. You have the power to make whatever life you want. But in the short term, you have to deal with the numbers that are in front of your face. It's not the lifestyle you enjoyed when you had a two-income family or the income, or the lifestyle you think your friends are living on Instagram or your neighbors or your peers from college. I don't care. What are the numbers today? And you need to be creating a lifestyle within that. And then the next step, the 2.0, is set really big freaking goals and go reach them. But you cannot be making – you're not going to be making good decisions in your life if you're stressed out about how to pay the power bill every month or put food on the table every day. Then you are living inside of that poverty mentality that's going to keep you stuck. But if you're making your bills, you got a little cushion, you got a savings, that is freeing you up to make really good life decisions and not just with your money. Mm-hmm. Um, let me let me weigh let me provide uh, some additional credibility to Emma right right quick. Awesome. The Emma where where I'm wrong or where you want to jump in and say Frank shut up you're wrong uh, yeah <laughs> this is what's right okay Emma was married in quote unquote the perfect marriage she no, thought everything i never said that already yes. she's shutting right. him thank, down thank wow. you, thank you. see it is that is totally full baloney <laughs> all right all right well, see she was know, listening he, he likes fairy tales especially the ones he creates <laughs> all right i was just checking to let see him if tell she was him, Emma. let him tell okay. if i'm paying attention <laughs> right all right emma was married um she was happy in her marriage and she got a call. Her husband at the time was overseas somewhere. He was working, and he had had a bad fall, 15 feet off a cliff, and a, a really a really bad injury, a TBI, traumatic brain injury. And he was found hours after the the fall. So it wasn't even like it happened, and you know he got instant care. So she and her baby at the time went over to see him. They were there with him uh, as he got it got together. Apparently, I think he came back to the states while he was still uh, medic in a medically induced coma. And when he came to, he was different than he used to be. And so the chemistry that they once enjoyed was no longer there. Emma, take it away to your divorce, please. Yeah, I mean, that's more or less a nutshell. I mean, yeah, he, is, he was and he is a really great guy and dad, but brain injuries are horrible. And he had a brain injury and he did change and lost his job. And, I mean, he was just totally compromised. I mean, he looked and talked to, like, his old self. You couldn't tell by, you know, looking at him. And uh, But anybody that knew him, I mean, it was just it was volatile. And he laughed, you know. He... Picked up and I got pregnant after the accident, and he just laughed. And it was so stunning and such a deviation from who I knew him to be before. So it was, um, you know, it was such a heavy, heavy, horrible time for our family. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, so he made all the money, and that was the thing. I had, I was, I still kept my foot in my, I was a freelance writer, journalist, and I kept my foot in that business when I had my daughter, but I was more or less a stay-at-home mom, and I was totally dependent on him. He made high income, and he had really good benefits through his work, and then that all went away, and um, and he did pay child support, and I did take child support for about a year, and you know, I knew because his employer just kind of assumed that steady income because it was on the job injury, et cetera, but I knew just seeing him that he could not, he had a really intense job. He couldn't maintain that in his new state. So I was like, okay, this money's coming. I just know, I just knew that the whole show was going to be on me financially and logistically Mm -hmm. eventually, like sooner than later. And sure enough, within a year he lost his job and it was just all on me. And so with that year, I just ramped up my earning. And I mean, looking back on it, it was so intense and I just can't believe I did it. But you know what? I meet women every day that do like such incredible things with so few resources like moms are just so unbelievable but the one thing that came out of that was like you know when we you started the conversation with the child support and you know just because 
you need it. Like women, like, well, we, we, usually the conversation starts at alimony and alimony is a little bit easier to get our heads around because that's for the wife. It's not for the kids, it's for women. And it started when women couldn't earn and now they can. And it seems to be a little bit more easier for people to digest. But I've had women come to me, they're like, well, what if I need that money? What if I need money for the transport? I'm like, well, just because you need it doesn't mean that somebody has it to give you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's been many times in my life when I needed money. I don't come from family money. Like now as an adult, like there's, if I need money, I have to go and earn it. There's nowhere else for me to go and get it. And that is the reality for most moms in this country. Mm-hmm. As we said earlier on, most moms in this country are going to be single moms. And the vast majority of them are not going to have any pot of money they can go chase after. The only way they can get by is by going and earning. And I think it was a gift for me to know that I would have to earn, that there was never going to be a fallback. And I think it really lit the fire under me to go and go big. Where's dad now? Without the hang-up, right? Like, I don't have – if he – you know, at one point he owed me, like, $30,000 in arrears. Mm-hmm. But it was like – it wasn't I, – I didn't have to be angry about it. Like, I was given the gift – of not having any reason to be angry because it wasn't his fault. Yeah. He mm-hmm. was disabled, and it was not his fault. It wasn't my fault. It was just a really, really, really crappy accident that happened. Mm-hmm. And it took the moralizing out of it, and that was a gift. And I see that women putting so much negative energy into that moralizing with uh, no results. How's he doing now? How's he doing with the kids? And you know, what's- He's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is... He's very involved with them. I just got back from a business trip for four days, and they were with him. He's like the, you know, the volunteer referee at the soccer, and was on the PTO. Bless his heart for a while. Like <laughs> one for the team with that nice. nonsense. <laughs> so he's good. I mean, he's never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. But he is a fighter. He's like, for better or worse, he is a tough mofo, and I know that better than anyone. And it makes him extremely difficult and make and it saved his life. It really nice. did. Very nice. Yeah. Why should you give to charity when you're broke? Yeah. Well, I always do because you know, it's like the there's a lot of science around giving, right? Whether whatever giving is, money or time or your efforts is like the greatest way that we feel joy and happiness. Whatever however you do that in your life. And at a time when you feel really broke, if you can just set up an automatic deduction donation to whatever charity is dear to your heart, that gives you the sense of abundance mm-hmm. and your power to give back and valuable in your community, in your world, in a way that's meaningful to you. And it's like you go through that budget every month, and you see that little charity, I don't care if it's 10 or 15 or $20, mm-hmm. you're like, you know what, I can do this. And I am, I'm not a mooch on the system. I'm I have to give. I'm not broke. I, I am a viable part of this world in a meaningful way. And it's just this little trick that I encourage women to use to see beyond whatever financial stresses they're in at the moment. Mm-hmm. William James says, giving alms never impoverishes. Yes. Okay. That's, I mean, I'm, you're, you're on it, Emma. I, I can really appreciate the the messages that you are providing not just women but people and, and me yeah um <laughs> do you, you speak of a support network it's important to have a support network so that you are able to do the things that you want to do and you're talking to women naturally um but it, how did you well let me back up i am someone who is happy to be the neighborhood dad i'm i'm and that's to say that is not really doesn't it doesn't get at how i feel i'm not the neighborhood dad and i don't consider myself the community dad i'm just one of them and there there's many of us so i have friends who will who we have daughters the same age who will call me up and say hey what you guys up to and i say drop her by and that's the end of it Okay. That and I don't know when he's coming back, or you know, I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, right. That's a network that exists, but it's also I can also see. Well, I do have this also. I have a niece. My niece, by marriage, lives with us, and she's a part of she's a part of the family. I mean, yeah. she's the same age as my my seven year old. They're both seven, and I pick her up from school every day and I have no problem with 
doing that and I want to say playing that role um, as much as as much as I can possibly fathom doing. Okay. How do you suggest that women or single moms incorporate men who may not even be family, who, who may not be family, or who they may not even be in a romantic relationship with into their network? Is it even possible? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, it might be, and you know, it just is going to depend on the family. But one thing, like, just time is a remarkable thing. And you know, again, you're going through a breakup or divorce or whatever. And you just hate everybody, and there's so many bad feelings that often go around. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that in a year or two years or five years that people don't chill out and move past it. And so always keeping the door open, maybe prioritizing being the initiator of that healing. You know, like you don't have to be best friends with your ex-mother-in-law, but you can say, you know what, like she's a great grandmother, important part of my kid's life, and so I want to prioritize that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so facilitating it in a way that you guys can both deal with. You, you uh, as, as I've said several times, you speak to single moms, as you've said. What can you say to single fathers? Uh, you're important that I don't care what your visitation schedule is with the kids. You are a critical part of their lives, um, despite what the courts might rule. Um, there, again, if you feel like you want to be more involved with your kids, that there is a very powerful movement that's happening in this country, and I urge you to get involved and be part of the solution because it's good for everybody, for all of society. It's very important activism, and it can impact your own kids and family in a meaningful way. You've got a manifesto, and I, I, I've checked it out. Oh, I mean, clearly, I read the book, and uh, it is in the book, and it is powerful. You give us, give us an introduction to the manifesto. Oh, I should have it in front of me. I got the man. I'm, I'm going to read some pieces. What you, yeah, you read your highlights. Okay, the highlights for you. The, a kick-ass single mom seeks without guilt or shame work that is exciting, creative, and fulfilling. A kick-ass single mom strives for financial independence. Adult women do not choose to be financially dependent. A kick-ass single mom accepts responsibility for her children's well-being, period. A kick-ass single mom puts her self-care first per the oxygen on the airplane philosophy. When you're fulfilled professionally, create, creatively, and in your health, spirituality, sexuality, and relationships, you're a better woman and mother. Mm -hmm. A kick-ass single mom relishes that she is a role model for professional, personal, and maternal success for her children as well as for other women and moms. A kick-ass single mom prioritizes her sexuality and never denies her romantic or sexual needs in the name of being a good mom. That's huge. Yeah. A kick-ass single mom forgives. Your ex did really horrible things during the relationship. You likely did too. You forgive yourself and you forgive him and any lawyers, judges, in-laws, friends, and others whom you are angry at. It is impossible to build an incredible life for yourself and your family if you're stuck on anger and revenge for the things that happened during a romantic relationship that is now over. Let's see one more. A kick-ass single mom appreciates every single day that she lives in a time of unprecedented wealth and opportunity for women. And it is her duty to honor both the people who fought for her to have these opportunities as well as those who come after her. That's about eh, that's about sixty percent of the manifesto. Okay. Mm. Beautiful. All right. Anybody got something to say? Well, you? I I have to say the part that you read where it said that the mother doesn't have to forego her own Sexuality. sexual or romantic uh, relationships, and that sticks out for me because so many women channel all their energy into the children mm -hmm. to the exclusion of their romantic life, like, oh, I'll get back to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
so I think, and then the women who decide that they're going to have a balance of both. Mm. Sometimes I think there's the struggle with, are you a good mom if you prioritize your own self-care at that level? Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole thing of when does the new guy get to engage the children and all that business. So that that's even on the manifesto. And I think we talked to somebody one time and she said something about how you asked her a relationship question and it was clear that she had pretty much shut that part of her life down Mm -hmm. and put all her energy into the children. And uh, I don't have any children and yet I never feel that that's a healthy thing for you and the children mm-hmm. you know so i i i just uh i appreciated seeing that in there nice amongst the other things anything emma no i think um really i always want to leave moms with the call to activism And that means different things for different people. But what the thing in common that we all have is by really going and living your fullest life is activism Mm. because everybody is watching you. Your kids are definitely watching you. The people at work are watching you. Men are watching you. You know what? Men want, I believe everybody is good. Like everybody has good in them and the vast majority of people will classify them as good people, including men Mm -hmm. and men want to do right by women and gender equality. And they don't know what to do. It's tough for men out there. They are looking to us to know how to manage this gender inequality crisis that we have. And women are torn, right? They're looking at us and we're figuring it out. But when we are living our full lives, living within our powers as women, as mothers, as citizens, as employees, as, stewards of our finances, we, that is activism. And everybody, I'm calling everybody to do that. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Emma, before we go, you got a good book for me, besides your own book, got a good book you can recommend, or a good movie, or both. Ooh. You know, I, I just have been thinking a lot about the miniseries uh, uh, Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. you know, that was on HBO that everyone talked about it's with Nicole Kidman and Reese. and it's about it's about all the things I'm interested in it's about women and relationships and sex and power and money and it's I think it just speaks to this moment that we're in remember it's like all these rich moms um, in this little enclave and they all had these dark secrets that they were keeping but it was all tex- attached to their sexualities and money and I don't think you can decouple that. Nice. Mm, I have to check that out. Uh, Nancy? Yes. Do you, let's see, do you have student loans? Yeah. You do? I do. And Emma has, uh, she has a little bit to say about college savings, student loans, retirement. Emma, would, would you talk to Nancy for me for a second? <laughs> Talk to me, Emma. Can I call him and say, Emma said not to pay you anymore. No, I wish, right? Well, I don't know if I can help you with your student loans, but I think the big takeaway that Frank is going for to moms out there, like there's a really interesting study that found overall American parents uh, over-prioritize saving for their kids' college over their retirement. And single moms are especially guilty of this. I think it is like this guilt that... It's complicated, right? So the best thing that you can do is prioritize your own financial health now. And uh, and for moms, the message being is that what wonderful gift could you give your kids if you told them, I am taking care of financially. I have done everything I can to make sure that I'm not a burden on you, that I'm going to be, I am going to be set in my later years. Kids can figure out how they're 18 years old when they go to college. They can figure that out, right? It's not your obligation and to finance that for them. And it is ill-advised. Do not ransom your financial health for their college. Absolutely do not do that. That is serving no one. I 100% agree. I agree. Yeah. You're listening to Frank. Oh, you got something, Jeff? I know you're about to close out, and, and, and Emma, I just come in here and push buttons, so I didn't know you were the guest. I didn't, wasn't aware of your book. <laughs> 
However, <laughs> listening to just a few lines of the manifesto, I believe you shouldn't limit your demographic. This book should be called The Kick-Ass Parent. Single parent. Not even single. Oh, parent. That Got manifesto it. is a lesson and a guideline for all parents. Mm. Here, here. Father, mother, what have you. It just resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am the opposite of a single mom. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. I'm a married dad. <laughs> Indeed. She's, wow. She is absolutely a powerful woman. Yeah. Um, you're listening to Frank Relationships, and we're talking with the author of The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Mrs. Emma Johnson. Emma, please uh, tell us what you're up to and how we can find you. Sure. So go buy my book right now. It's on all the retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and bookstores, uh, The Kick-Ass Single Mom. My blog, which is really kind of my biggest part of my platform, is WealthySingleMommy.com. Mm-hmm. You can listen to my podcast called Like a Mother. And by the way, the book is out in audio and ebook, Kindle, and paperback. Did you do the audio? And um, all the social media, as we all are on social media. Mm-hmm. Did you do the audio for the audio book? I did. Wow. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's, that's hey. <laughs> Very nice. Congratulations mm-hmm. for all you've accomplished. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Along today's journey, we've discussed shared parenting sexuality, and frugality. Thank you to my co-host, Nancy. Thanks to my engineer, Jeff Newman, and I guess he's another co-host or the button pusher. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you to my guest, Mrs. Emma Johnson. You have been great. I hope you've had as much fun as I've had hanging out with today's ensemble. As always, it's my wish for you to walk away from this conversation with a heaping helping of useful information that'll help create a relationship that's as loving and accepting as possible. Let us know what you thought of today's show at Facebook forward slash Relationship F Love, on Twitter at Mr. That's M-R Frank Love, or at FrankLove.com. If you're listening to via Blog Talk Radio, make sure you like us there, and if via iTunes, make sure you subscribe so that you can receive each week's show. This is Frank Love. Thank you.